Alex Navarro, we have made it through another week. Yes, we have. And uh, last I checked, uh, today is, in fact, your birthday. Oh, my God. Look wow. what I got you. Wow. Look you what really, I got for you. you. Really prepared. I really prepared for this, you know? <laughs> Very much so. Look at you putting all that effort into making a cake for me. Yeah. And now it's gone. <laughs> <laughs> when uh, my wife and I started dating, uh, she it was in the, the height of Lost Mania. Uh, at least for me, and well, I think my first birthday we were dating, she made a uh, Dharma cake for me. Mm-hmm. Dharma is one of the th- companies in Lost, um, and for people who haven't seen it, and she had like she'd made it back at home, and then and then she uh, drove down to school, and then when she got there, she you know she had it in like a little plastic container, and she went to go lift it off so we could eat it, and took off everything on the cake. <laughs> oh no. Oh, that's horrible. Yeah, it was pretty, I'm actually well, pretty... it was terrible, but it was also uh, pretty amazing and like amazing in its horribleness. Like it just did, the cake then looked, you know, like unedible and you didn't want to eat it and it was just it was a sad way to start a Friday, but It's it just making me really sad thinking about ruined cake. Like I don't I don't like yeah. thinking about things like that. No, either do I. Uh, now, uh, now I know a lot of people don't know this because uh, you know, I mean, everyone makes jokes about how young you look and all of that. Mm-hmm. But uh, you are, in fact, today forty-seven years old. That's correct. It's true. It's okay. true. Uh, Seventy-four. You gotta. You gotta. Oh, I got it back. Oh, around. Jesus Christ! Yeah. You got, like, no, I last. Uh, last in my twenties. Uh, now twenty-nine. Damn. How do you feel about that? How do you feel about slowly just inching your way toward? all trace of youth just being erased from your from your visage i mean i guess i've got the the baby face so the 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 face for now. helps uh yeah you're right for now uh, i probably got at least i got i don't know i probably i feel like uh, i look like i'm i could still be 19 if i shave if i shave this off i definitely would look like that again uh so i feel like that will that will help me as i get older and the the Klepik clan the men uh I, as far, I, even skipping generations and all that nonsense, like no one goes bald, so mm. not gonna lose my hair. So I'll have the, will you know? Maybe I'm cursing myself now, but we'll apparently have the curly locks, lengthy going forward, uh, if I choose to keep them. And uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know. His 29's a weird birthday because it's like, 30 is when people like you know you sit down and like share profound thoughts about what you've learned. Or that's when people do stuff like that. And 29's like, ah, you're just kind of caught in, caught in between. You're right on the edge. You're right on the edge of, you know, becoming that that th- that 30, you know, hitting the 30s. And then you're what, about five years away from no longer being a relevant demographic to most marketers. Yeah, 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 that's true. And I, I know, I know for years as a games writer, I always got to kind of play the card of like, oh, wow, he's so young and he's been doing this for so long. And now it's just that I've been doing it for so long. Yeah, which isn't nearly as interesting to brag about uh, than you know sneaking into less well, sneaking, but getting into E3 when you're, you know, seventeen. It's more that uh, people just can't remember a time when you weren't doing this more than anything else. Yeah, I guess that's true. That's a compliment yeah. in a way. I'll take that. Yeah. And I was as I was telling you, my the high watermark for my birthday this year is uh, don't go on a bike, which I can't because it's cold out and it's icy out, and my bike is at my parents' place. Sure. Uh, and don't break my collarbone. That's so, a good goal. If I don't do either of those things today, then happy birthday to me. My 29th birthday was a complete uh, success. <laughs> success. How icy is it outside right now in Chicago? Not so, not so bad. The okay. ice isn't so bad. A lot of snow, but it, it hasn't like 
warmed up or anything, so the snow hasn't warped and, and melted and then frozen again. It's just really, it's really cold. Oh, and it turns out, according to DW in the chat, that it is Akira Yamaoka, the composer of Silent Hill. Uh, it's his birthday today as well. That's great. That's a great birthday to yeah. share. I don't know who I share my birthday with. Celebrity birthdays the last time i looked mine up it was kind of depressing the feel like i think like tori spelling has the same birthday as i do and that's not that's not worth bragging about chris rock that's all right Ashton kutcher uh Uh, garth brooks okay oh i don't like this one at all matthew stafford oh wow (laughs) ah i mean he seems like a nice guy he's yeah he's always cheery when he's losing if nothing else Mm. Uh, Charles Dickens. There you go. Mm-hmm. I, Beatrice Miller. Beatrice Miller, 15 years old, some singer. I don't know who that is. That's James Spader. Oh, that's great. That's a great one. I'll take that one. Uh, oh, now we're getting to like the second row. Eddie Izzard. <laughs> hmm. Wes Borland. <laughs> oh, uh, that was a Limp Biscuit reference I wasn't prepared for today. Deborah Ann Wolf, the redhead who gets naked all the time in True Blood. Okay. Uh oh man, now we're really digging deep. Uh, I don't even I don't know who some of these people are. Okay, I'm giving up. All right, I'm I looking feel, at mine. I, I feel like the fact that I can say I was born on the same day as Wes Borland is that I will brag about that. I'm okay with that. I also have a famous metal guitarist on mine. Kirk Hammett okay. was born on my go. day, my birthday. Uh, Owen Wilson. Okay. David Ortiz of the baseball. Sure. Uh yeah, now it's getting kinda kinda far down here. Uh Imogene Coca, you know, relevant actress. Everyone remembers her, I'm sure. <laughs> Delroy uh, Lindo, motherfuckers. He's he's November eighteenth. That's great. Kevin Nealon. Alright, yeah, you know, once I hit Kevin Nealon, that's when I stop yep. caring. Yep. Yep. That's around like me hitting West Borland was like, Alright, that's it. That's done. Wash my hands of it. Uh, what do you What have you been playing this week? Oh God! Uh, oh, I no, know I, you've been playing. You've been playing that has punk. That jazz punk. punk. That jazz punk. Yeah, I uh, I played through that a second time this week after uh, finishing it last week. Uh, review of that will be up today, just as soon as I can actually get the words together in the order I want them to go in for that review. But uh, how have would you, you played describe it that game? No, I play. I played the intro up until okay. taking your first dose of medication uh okay so you only played like five minutes of it basically yeah but how okay. would you like it's a comedy action game i guess is like maybe the short of it but comedy what, adventure like, what is jazz punk it's okay so it's a comedy and okay. it, it's a comedy in the sense that the mechanics of gameplay are much more uh about exploration and just finding the myriad things that just are super stupid in that game which is basically everything the entire world is built around you just discovering weird gag after weird gag after weird gag uh rapid fire kind of pace very you know i mean they they straight up say their inspirations are very similar to you know the naked gun and airplane and that style of sort of slapsticky rapid fire humor and it surprisingly delivers on that in a way that uh, most games have not been able to do. I mean, mechanically, it's probably very similar to something like a Gone Home. Uh, obviously, a lot more insane. But uh, it's, you know, the idea that, you know, you there are things you can do that will progress the, the story as it is. 
but uh, really the fun is just getting plopped into an environment and then spending half around like half an hour just walking around like poking at things to see what the hell happens. So, do you actually shoot anything, or is it literally no. just like here are worlds you're walking around, see what we have left for you, and you'll probably miss most of it, and then want to go back and see what you missed. Yeah, I mean, th there are mini games where sometimes you will have to, like, move things around or, you know, poke at things, and there's not really any shooting exactly, like, there's no gunplay, it's it's much more about interaction and exploration, um, and, th like, the objectives you do get, it's usually just you pick up an item and move it somewhere or, you know, connect it to some other item, and that's about it. It's very lightweight, but and the, the thing that works about it and the thing that is most special about it is that the jokes are all really, really funny, and they're surprisingly participatory. Like, you're not just standing around watching funny things happen in front of you. Like, a lot of mm -hmm. the gags actually let you kind of participate in them, which is surprising, considering, you know, interactive comedy is not thing that has, the thing that's been done super well a lot over the years. Have you played 30 Flights of Loving or Gravity Bone? So I actually played 30 Flights of Loving uh, this week. Uh, I was gonna I say before, almost was <laughs> like, if you haven't written your review yet, it's probably worth playing one of or or both of those. They it takes you know all of you know an hour to probably play both of them because right. it seems like jazz punk is cut from the same cloth. It is and it isn't. Uh, the thing about Thirty Flies of Loving is that it is not meant to be super funny. Like it has kind of goofy bits in it, but it is like they're telling kind of like a weird short story and but the progression of it and some of the 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 art style i would say certainly you know lends itself toward that but this is much more psychedelically minded like it is aggressively bizarre kind of belligerent in the way it, it delivers its gags but like it also does it in this really strange deadpan that is amazingly consistent throughout the game that is the one thing that uh, i was most impressed by is that for a game that is totally about just absolute like data is nonsense there is a very coherent cohesive vision to that game that is kind of amazing does it does it ever like because i feel like sometimes with comedy games uh or games that are comedic in nature you get a little bit like and here are jokes yeah let's jokes like is it like that or does it seems like it's actually pretty well integrated into you know, its version of its world that just happens to have jokes and it happens to be funny. Yeah, there is a weird nightmare logic to that game where everything that happens in it is completely insane, but it also sort of makes a weird degree of sense within, like, the context of what they have presented you with. Um, you know, it's it's like, yeah, it's super random, but it feels like there is a pace and a delivery to it. Like, they are... Like, the setups and the punchlines all feel like they come, you know, with a, a, a degree of comic timing that a lot of games that just try to be crazy don't have. Mm. So, it, it, like, it feels like there is a coherent vision to, to it from beginning to end. What is in that coherent vision is fucking out of its mind, but uh, that's not a bad thing because it all kind of fits together in a way that you don't expect. When it, and it seems, like, I know you, you mentioned to me that the game is, you know, Relatively on the, the short end of things, you know, kind of like Octodad, another game, you know, yeah. uh, similar, you know, similar in in aims, if not in execution uh, this week. And I, it doesn't surprise me that games that lean on humor also find themselves being slightly short uh, just because it must be it's, you know, comedy is hard to do. It's not like mm -hmm. 
when you develop like a shooting mechanic and it's like, oh, well, you know, we'll just put in another room full of guys and rearrange them in a new interesting way. Like that's not like that's not really how jokes work. <laughs> no, and the so the real test of this game is that you know, I finished it the first time around probably in about two and a half hours. Uh, I was kind of bummed that it was over as quickly as it was. But the first thing I wanted to do was set aside some time to go back and play through it again to see if there was anything I missed. And there was like, you know, at least a solid half dozen mini games and gags that I missed uh, going through the second time. But the key was I did not mind at all playing through the bits I already had. They were still funny. Uh, hmm. they, you know, I didn't like, you know, laugh out loud and surprise, you know, the, the way I did the first time around, but I still enjoyed them. And I think the mark of any great comedy is an ability to go back, hear those jokes again, and still find them amusing. That is where a lot of game comedy tends to fail and that the, the, the grand sum total of the comedy is the surprise factor. And then going back, you're just like, eh. Here, I, you know, yes, the surprise helps. And I think everyone should play that game knowing as little of it as possible. Uh, but it was totally worthwhile playing a second time. I enjoyed it nearly as much. Uh, it's, it's ridiculous, but it's, it's my kind of ridiculous. And I adored it pretty much from start to finish. I think it's interesting that, you know, other games, as many as I can really think of games that have leaned on humor and comedic in nature, uh, have sort of still have sort of a core gameplay mechanic to them. Octodad has the physics. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, another one that people are mentioning in the chat that's also common is the No One Lives Forever series, which mm-hmm. is also a shooter. Uh, it's often that you find comedy injected in as a, you know, thematically or as, as an additional layer on top of an already sort of core gameplay mechanic. Whereas in Jazz Punk, like, it sort of feels like the jokes, the jokes are like the mechanic, like the world and it's constructed. And, you know, it's not like there's necessarily a traditional gameplay element here. It just happens to be an interactive world as opposed to like an animated film, which I guess is where you maybe might, you know, I guess where this could have uh, played out otherwise. Yeah, it feels like the kind of thing that could have easily turned into some sort of weird animated short or something, um, but then was kind of, you know, fleshed out into a much more interactive space uh, for the purposes of this. But that's fine. Like, I like the idea that the comedy is sort of the draw of it and that the comedy is, frankly, what the mechanics... Like, the mechanics are based around making the comedy happen. So, you know, whatever interaction you're doing, whatever exploration you're doing, it's all pretty easy. Like, none of the mini games are that hard. Uh, you know, the the finding the stuff that you need to do to progress the missions or whatever is not terribly difficult. But that's fine because it's not the kind of game that's meant to be challenging. Like it's not a game that you're supposed to die in. It's a game that's supposed to set you up for, you know, a long laundry list of completely insane things to happen to you. And then once that's over with, it's done. And I think it, I think that it gets in and out in just about the amount of time it needed to, it starts to lose like just a bit of momentum toward the very end, but then it's kind of over with. So it's like, okay, yeah, you got what you needed out of it. And it never really makes sense, but it kind of does just within the nonsense logic of what, you know, it kind of starts out with at the beginning. Like it's the story doesn't have a real resolution. It's not about, you know, you really interacting with characters so much as you are just in this completely psychedelic, bizarre world and just letting stupid shit happen to you. And I think that is, if you can make that work, like kudos to you, man. And this game makes that work in a way that I have not seen before. Well, that's awesome. I've only played yeah. the intro, and I'm I'm really, really, really looking forward to playing the rest either uh, tomorrow or on Sunday. But it's awesome that it nailed the you know 
nailed the mark. I mean, I know Vinny was psyched about it when he saw it at, I think, PAX, PAX Prime? PAX East uh, is when I think we first saw it. Might have been. I think it was also at, at, at PAX again once it was kind of under the Adult Swim uh, banner, which, yeah. is, man, could they, you know, Adult Swim knows how to pick them. Uh, and I, I've been meaning to, uh, I've been talking with them about doing a, a feature about their whole game selection process because uh, if you go through the games they have picked and the people they partner with, uh, they're exceedingly smart about identifying uh, eccentric, interesting game developers, giving them money, and publishing their games. It's Their lineup is actually pretty goddamn incredible. Yeah, I... I... I have played precious little of, of you know, the, the Adult Swim library at this point, but, I mean, you know, I had not really heard of Necrophone Games or Luis Hernandez before any of this stuff. I didn't really know what they were about. Uh, this is one of those games that feels like some, like, you kind of a discovery of, like, an interesting comic voice. You know, it, 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 that's not something you get a whole lot in video games. Uh, you know, people actually who are good at comedy and that, like, actually have, like, kind of their own unique voice as opposed to just kind of doing things like, you know, comedies they saw in movies or TV. So, right. you know, there's I, I this is one of those games that makes me really excited about whatever they're going to do next. Like, they are they are a studio, and that is, like, Luis Hernandez and his co-writer, whose name I can't remember offhand, uh, those are guys that I am very excited to see more of what they, they have to offer. Yeah. Uh, and I and I finished Octodad this week, so uh, I managed to catch up with you. In, How'd you in end up respect. feeling about that? Uh, we talked a little bit on instant message about it, but yeah, the last third of that game I don't uh, I don't think works particularly well. I managed to make it make it through uh, the stealth sections of that game and the yeah suddenly an enemy is attacking you uh, yeah. sections of that game with without much incident. I ran into uh, precious little frustration getting through those moments. Because it seems like they're pretty easy to break, and the game, as long as you just kind of keep trucking, <laughs> uh, you can kind of make it through uh, the sections. Yep. But, um, yeah, I don't think it worked. It, it, it definitely felt like the developers were – I understand what they were going for, you know, Young Horses, the studio, mm -hmm. you know, trying to find mechanical uh, consistency with the storyline, which – it makes sense it would be a stealth section for what the story they were trying to tell at that point. Right. Uh, it just wasn't – very fun. Uh, where, whereas, uh, man, I you know I would have killed for uh, another section uh, that was as large and involved as uh, the aquarium, right? Uh, in which it's the really the only time you get uh, a world with multiple sections and just every room you enter has like a thousand things to interact with. Uh, you know the 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 part where you're talking to your wife and there are like eight different mini games to, for you to mess with uh, right around you, and uh, all of them are new prizes and there are ties sitting around like it's that stuff was great and i really really enjoyed it um and the last third didn't really you know because i was able to get through it pretty quickly it didn't sort of ruin my impression of the game i still had a fantastic time with it sure it was mostly just kind of like oh that's too bad like that yeah. didn't really work um yeah it's yeah, not it's, it's it's not for me like the yeah i i the only section i had a real hard time with was that bit where you're like running across the tables at the very end and like the chef is chasing you and there's like fire everywhere like for some reason i just could not make that part work and that drove me absolutely insane the like the stealth sections and stuff i was able to do relatively quickly especially once i found on the boat that 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 uh beam that goes across the top of the ship mm -hmm. which basically lets you just walk across and not have to deal with any of the guys that are on the oh. ground I didn't realize that, but yeah, that yeah. makes sense. Uh, 
but yeah, it's, you know, I haven't gone back and played that game since I reviewed it, but I want to go back and just play those opening chapters again and again, because they're so fun, they're so ridiculous, especially like the, the stuff in the, the early stuff in the aquarium. I really liked the, the bit in the playground with your son, where you're just mm -hmm. kind of, you know, wandering around the giant jungle gym and stuff. Uh, I don't know. It's, it, I, I, I sit there and I wonder, like, is there any way you can escalate that game, you know, to like an actual gamey conclusion without doing something mechanical, like what they tried to do with the, the stealth stuff and some of the, the boss fight stuff at the very end. And I'm not sure that there's really an easy answer for that, because I feel like if you just end the game with more of what that came in the first two hours, there's not really much of a build or a progression there. But yeah, no, no, I, th I think I think you're right. I think they when they took on just the very premise of making this into a complete game as opposed to, ah, you know, what they easily could have done was just here's a bunch of, you know, kind of like the opening chapters are just like here's a room or like two rooms and here are some objectives to complete. Right. They could have just done that. Uh, sure. But you're right. I don't think that would have been particularly fulfilling or it would have resulted in a lot of the uh the narrative component happening exclusively in the cutscenes, and it doesn't seem like it would have matched the aims of what they wanted to do with the game but it just seemed like you know yeah like maybe there was a better solution to their problem but it's also not hard to imagine that there were just no real great solutions to how they could handle that sort of narrative arc of the game and and have the player doing something different um and it's just, you know, I, I, did you find any of the secret levels that require you to do like hyper precision? Like, like I found one in the aquarium where you suck yourself down the toilet. No, I guess I didn't actually find those. Uh, I went and, you know, looking for like collecting a bunch of ties and stuff, but I don't think I found any actual hidden levels. So yeah, if you, I don't want to say too much in case people are mm -hmm. going to play it, but basically I don't want to say how to access it anyway, but there's a way of going down a toilet. Uh, and then it takes you to this 2D section where you can only move left to right, uh, but requires you to to really make use of uh, the tentacles in a way that you are never, ever required to in the main game. Um, that was actually really satisfying because it, it really, for you know, it's, I don't know if precision is the right term, but you have to uh, have purpose to the way mm -hmm. you are using the tentacles as opposed to with a lot of the stuff you can kind of fudge it a little mm -hmm. bit and, and kind of slump your way and uh, forward but in in these sort of flattened sections you need to be on your game know exactly when you are letting go of the left trigger that you are swinging right. like the you know you're using them uh kind of like uh you know you're going left to right left to right it's it's interesting i also would sometimes found it uh, incredibly infuriating because mm. uh trying to be precise in that game was i just couldn't i couldn't i couldn't quite get it down but mm. um yeah, I did enjoy it. Uh, I do still recommend people check it out, and it's weird that Jazz Punk and Octodad are coming out in the same day or same week. Wait, didn't wait? I thought Octodad came out last week. Oh, it did did it? Yeah, it came out last week, Thursday. Oh, okay. Well, it's so close to each other anyway. Within a week of each other, we'll put it that. Yeah, way. yeah, um, it is weird because those are you know two very funny games, albeit in very dis different ways, uh, and obviously mechanically very different. Um, but yeah, no, we're kind of living in a weird, interesting age where comedy is becoming a much more viable thing, uh, it seems like. And I'm a-okay with that because, man, yes, there are funny games out there. You know, people have been pointing out Portal and, you know, a variety of other games. And yes, those are all very funny games. But how many of those come out a year? Like, yeah. maybe two? Yeah. If that? So, yeah, it's it, let's let's make this a much more regular thing. I'd be a-okay with that. 
And, and I definitely think it's one of those, uh, you know, when a game has those names, I am 100% okay with it being as long or as short as it wants to be because yeah. that seems to be so important to a game with humor. And, uh, you know, it, it seems so easy to kill the humor uh, by, you know, just padding it out because the player's expectations for just video games are that, you know, they are a certain length Um you know, what? watching the whole you know Metal Gear debate play out this week, sure. when uh, you know Game Informer said that they finished Ground Zeroes, which in Ground Zeroes' case they're charging you forty dollars. That's a sure. little bit of a different situation. That's, uh, a, that's another thing. Um, we can talk about it or not talk about that later. Yeah. But I think it's interesting to have you know the the dichotomy there of you know Jazz Punk Octodad being like ah you know even in Octodad's case it kind of feels like maybe it goes on too long. Uh, despite it being as short as it is relative to other video games. Uh, and then, you know, you've got, uh, you know, Ground Zeroes where, you know, two hours is like people are like, wow, I'm paying for a demo. Well, yeah, it's- I mean, you look at the context of something like Jazz Punk. I mean, that, that game's $15, you know, and if I had paid my own money for that, I would have had zero problem with it because I enjoyed it from beginning to end. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's two and a half hours long, but at the same time, those two and a half hours are all well, you know, well-implemented, well-designed, very funny, and, you know, almost never, you know, lag at any point. So, you know, 15 bucks for, you know, that's basically what you'd pay to go see a three-hour movie at the theaters, you know, maybe even more for that. So I don't really, I got no problem with that whatsoever. Well, and, we, and you know what? We got South Park coming up. We do. Yeah, that's what, uh, that's next month, isn't it? I need, I really feel like I should stop being excited for that game. I feel like that's, like, what my two options be? It comes out March eleventh uh, or eighteenth. Yeah, I think eighteenth. Because uh, the two scenarios of how that game is going to play out, I really think it's either going to be terrible or terrific. I think there sure. are only. I don't think it's possible that that game is middling. I think it's either. I guess the other option is that like the gameplay is just sort of eh, and it's really funny. I guess that's possible. I guess that's the middle ground that that might happen. But right. I really want to set my expectations low, but I find myself just getting excited for it. Uh, I, I understand. I really, that. I, mean, I really, really want it to be good. And you know, I don't watch a lot of South Park these days, but South Park, when it's really good, I find exceedingly funny and is exactly my type of humor. And I like the way that they, even when I disagree with their politics and sometimes get upset that they they think not choosing a side is their way of sidestepping an issue when it's really just pick a damn side mm-hmm. uh I, I just like their stuff and i really want it to be good and they clearly love games and it's all you know we we don't often get people that like games coming in to make a game and that being successful um and I would like that to be successful this time, I guess. Yeah, me too. I mean, we I think everyone's wanted a good South Park game pretty much since forever, and there really hasn't been a great one at all. So, you know, this kind of feels I, like, in a sense, it kind of feels like our last best hope for that to happen, because I don't think South Park's going to be on the air for too many more years at this point. I probably played more than I'm willing to admit of South Park 64. I mean, I played it. It's... It was a game that you were willing to forgive at the time, is how I would describe that game, is you were willing to say, okay, well, this isn't very good, but it's something, and it's better than, you know, not having any South Park games, I guess, and then you try to play it, like, in any time in the last decade, and you're like, no. I mostly played Deathmatch. At the time, I was probably in either middle school or early high school, and poop jokes were pretty funny, and there were a lot of dumb weapons in that game, so... My friends and I played a lot of that. And 
I mostly played a lot of them because I around the time that Acclaim had the license and they were producing like endless South Park games. Yeah. Like there was like one a week coming out. It felt like uh, Acclaim was one of the com- early companies that uh, with the website I worked for uh, Gaming Age, which was mm-hmm. the origins of the NeoGAF message boards. Um, they they were sending me basically everything. So like I played South Park Rally and. What were the other? Oh, uh, what was the chef trivia game? Oh, um, sure. You know what I'm talking about. I do know what you're talking about. Uh, and man, South Park Rally came out on everything. Like, it did. Th- I think I had like eight copies of that game. It was like Dreamcast, N64, PlayStation, PC. Like, God, that came out on every single platform under the sun. Because that's just what Acclaim did. Acclaim, you know, started as a port house before they uh, moved into original development, but. And making yeah. a lot of very bad video games. Yeah, they made a lot of bad games. So, I don't know. I want that game to be good, I guess. I feel like we expressed an anxiety every couple of weeks, but now we're awfully close. Yeah, we're actually getting there. We're almost we're almost at the end, hopefully. Um, speaking of laughs a minute games, uh, last night I also was, uh, after I finally just said, I can't stare at this jazz punk review anymore. I have to do this in the morning. Uh, Chef's Love Shack. No, okay, that wasn't what I played. But yes, you're right. Chef's Love Shack, that was that game. I did play that. That was terrible. Okay, sorry. Um, I played the the second episode of Wolf Among Us. Yeah, I did that last night as well. Uh, what did you think of where things are headed in that game without spoiling too much? Uh, I I'm excited. I okay. I like where they're going with the story. Uh, I think they have done a really exceptional job of the cliffhangers. Mm-hmm. I think they do really like a good cliff a good cliffhanger in any story is it recontextualizes what's come before and then gets you excited for what's next right Um, you may not have a better understanding of what happened before but it it makes you rethink everything that's come before it and that was true i think in the first episode is true in the second episode um and it's this episode is really short it is Uh, about 80 minutes i think we're you know I am reluctant to, you know, to often get into uh, complaints or debates about game length, but I, I do think for the amount of time that we have waited for a second episode, that that episode was not beefy enough to justify uh, what has been a three or four month wait. Sure. Um, and yeah, uh, especially because it's been frustrating for how uh, little communication Telltale has given over uh, the delivery of that episode. You know, originally that was coming out before the end of the year. And then, oh, it's early next year. And then, oh, it's the end of the month. And then, oh, it's early next month. Like they, I realize the game production is not is something that is constantly moving. Uh, but, you know, they're, they're a couple years in. They're selling things called season passes. Uh, and I think they, more than anyone else, are, you know, are actually using a season model, uh, right. given that they're episodic. And I, there has to be a middle ground between uh, promising a date that they can reasonably stick to and just lying and letting it – lying is a strong word, but, you know, promising something and then – Fudging it. We'll say they're fudging, fudging it. Fudging it over and over again. So, anyway, I didn't mean to go down that path, but what did, what did you think of the episode? Uh, I liked it. I, I don't think it's insubstantial for what it is. I think that it progresses the story just about as far as it probably could while still, you know, leaving a reasonable cliffhanger for the player. I agree that it did kind of suck that it took so long to get to that, you know – to what is, you know, not a terribly long episode. I think I, I, I just over 75, 80 minutes or something. Mm. Um, 
But I like the direction they're taking the characters in. I like the fact that it is, you know, despite the fact that it has this fantastical premise, it is at its core basically just a police procedural, yeah. but a really interesting one. And I think that the the mystery they're 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 weaving around that stuff is is grim. And I don't feel like it's going to like. I think whatever, without saying anything, I think that what they hung the last episode, this last episode on for the next time, I don't feel like that's going to be the grand sum of this whole case. Like I don't think that the direction they're heading in, trying to find this killer, is the only thing that they're going to do for the next three episodes. I feel like there's more coming out of that, something a little bit grander. Um, but I, you know, I for some re- for some dumbass reason, I did not see where where they were going with that coming, and I feel like I really should have. No, I, I didn't. <clears throat> I didn't see it, and my wife gave an audible gasp when uh, the reveal, let's say, happened in the second episode. Yep. And and the one thing I will say uh, that is that is sort of uh, complimentary to your point is that not a lot actually happens in the second episode and i and i'm one and i don't even mean that it's uh, a lot of table setting it's a lot of table setting and a lot of uh, really deep character development for mm-hmm. uh, a set of characters um and i don't want to say who we'll, because we'll it'll, that, get, yeah. it'll get to, yeah we'll just leave it at that but you know the first episode one of the things that was fun but i was hoping that they wouldn't continue to do throughout the entire series is uh, you know, you know, Fables takes place in you know uh, this place called Fable Town that is separate from what the the Meadows or the Meadowlands, which is where they're from. I don't know that anyway. Yeah. They're in like a version of New York City where they cast magic so that humans don't know they're there. Mm-hmm. And there's constantly this this thing where you'll be introduced to a character and it's like, oh well, who are they? Like which which is this Sleeping Beauty? Like which character is this that I don't I know from you know an old actual fable which is fun but like that would get really old if that was like the main conceit going forward and they do a little bit of that in in the second episode but they do a whole lot of characters you've already met and had that initial sort of oh this is that person then who are they about what is their backstory what is why are they here what are their complications like people aren't doing well in fable town like shit's bad like People are using drugs. They call Mondays is the Muggle equivalent in right. uh, the Fable universe. And it's what they call, I guess, non-magical folk or non-Fable folk. Uh, and so you know they have allusions to mungy drugs uh, and and things of that nature. And I, I like all that stuff. And that like definitely tickles, uh, you know, the same stuff that I found really fun about Harry Potter. Um, and yeah, but it's just episode two is a lot of character development. And, and even though it was short. I, I wanted more. I agree with you that it ended in a perfect spot. Mm-hmm. Uh, it you learn a lot about the characters in a way that it. You're right when you think about it. There's really not. I'm sure there's a much grander thing going on that it's working towards, but you certainly don't have a whole lot of indications of that quite no. yet. And instead, it's very focused on like these very specific set of killings that you know don't normally don't feel as grand as you normally expect from uh, a game story. Yeah, I think the the there there's a couple of details that they're you you can see they're working toward like there are some consistent visual things that you know they haven't really addressed very much. There are certain characters starting to rear their head that they haven't really you know delved too far into. They're just starting to show you know kind of a little bit more of the seedier side of of fable life. So yeah, there's 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 a lot there I think that they can still explore. I just new, really is, there's there's nudity in episode two there is there is some there's some uh, uh naked lady bits in there just just throwing that out there for the sensitive but uh 
I my only hope, my only my only concern is that I really don't want to be, you know, coming to episode five come like December. You know, I, I I know that they are probably stretched thin. They have they have this Game of Thrones thing they're working on. They still have what you know, Walking Dead that they're working on. I just re like this episodic thing cannot survive constant two to three month window. You know, breaks between uh, episodes because it's just. It's just, you lose the interest and you lose the excitement. Like, it took me a little longer than I would have liked to get into the second episode because I had to kind of remember what everything was and what was going on. And while they have the, you know, previously on thing at the beginning mm -hmm. to kind of let remind you, still, it's like you have to get into a rhythm with it. And I feel like it's real hard to maintain that rhythm when you've got, like, you know, 10 to 12 weeks between episodes. I also think they, if they could just be a little more direct in... Like even if they're, even if they're gonna say like, look, the episode three is coming four months from now, but it'll be out on May first. You know, like at least right. if you can plan around it, I think the frustration, you know, definitely comes from just all of a sudden, like you know, you open your email on a Monday, and it's like ah, the episode's out. Uh, you know, I I just don't think that works really well. Oh, that works against them, I think, for yeah. building anticipation for the episodes. It works against the player because they can't properly uh get ready for it, and yeah, it's just. I don't have the will to wait until a whole season is out, but I sure. believe if you do have that will, that is probably the way to play Telltale Games. I think so. <laughs> it's yeah, just to wait for the the whole season to be out. Yeah, I, I like being a part of the you know the constant conversation and you know kind of being up on whatever's going on, but that that is increasingly difficult as you spread more time out between episodes. Yeah. So uh, that's that's uh that's games. That's all I played. I beat Banner Saga. But ah. we've, we've already talked about that, and I think yeah. I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna record a no quick look went up on the site. San Francisco dropped the ball, so I might record one just to, just to do one, because uh, I really liked that game. Um, I think it had some problems, and uh, the uh, it was Stoic Games, I believe, is the developer. Yeah, uh, reached out to me on Twitter after I uh, tweeted about finishing it, and I was like, ah, when's hey, what about part two? And they're like, ah. Or it's probably next year, so yeah, probably not this year, which makes sense. I my guess, I would, I would guess that it comes out like every January or February. Yeah, uh, that sounds about that, right. I would bet it's gonna. I bet we'll hear a lot about it uh, next fall. Um, we'll get a release date next winter. Um, but you know, they January seemed to work very well for them in terms of mm -hmm. getting attention and not being a lot of games out. So my guess would be uh, part two would be out uh, next January. And there's another game that I think. Uh, ends ends very well i really liked the the way that part one ends uh and they you know they set up this big grand world but you do have a sort of a nice conclusion even if i don't like how the fight played out but i think story-wise and uh some of the sacrifices that happen uh in pursuit of closing out that story uh yeah that game's a bummer and it, it seems like it seems like chapters two and three are just gonna be more bummers yeah i don't think i don't think that's gonna have a real happy ending even by the time they get to the third chapter i think that no. thing's gonna that's 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 gonna be an oppressive one but i don't know whatever it's so good i don't care yeah all right let's uh let's run through some news uh, it's already yeah. uh 10 15 but i alex you need to tell me about what you did yesterday you need to, to confess your sins uh, uh you i don't even know quite i'm not even quite sure why you went but when you told me you were going i you know I said nothing. So when they told me Alex was leaving for the Sonic press conference. I said nothing. Uh, I went because Jeff forwarded me an email a couple weeks ago and was like, "Hey, you should go to this Sonic thing." <laughs> and I, I said, "Okay, now this makes a lot more sense." Yeah, and I said, "All right, 
why not? You know, it's it's a dumb press conference. The thing was blocked out for like three hours, and I was like, it's not going to take that long. There was no way. And it didn't. I mean, the, they, they basically blocked off two hours for people to wait in line to do give five-minute interviews, and that was about it. Um, but so I went because I figured, what the hell, why not? That is that is the gist of, of, of my decision-making. And uh, I didn't know what they were going to announce at all. I had no real indication of what they were on about. I'd seen the, the rumors of some crazy multi-platform Sonic thing, uh, but that were shot down. So, you know, getting in there, when they announced Sonic Boom, the first thing in my mind was... Sonic Boom! I cannot believe it has taken this long for them to call a Sonic game Sonic Boom. It's a pretty good name. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it makes sense. The second thing uh, I, I, I noticed was that uh, they really thought they had made radical changes to the Sonic universe in what they had done here. They spent a really long time talking about these character design changes that more or less amounted to a scarf and some athletic tape. <laughs> and the, the, the way you made it sound was like, I mean, they went on and on about this, like making as they literally they... unveiled it twice. First, they showed, like, they pulled down these curtains on these cardboard cutouts that were on either side of the stage, and then they went again, it's like, and here they are, and then they appeared on the video screen behind them, and they spent a really long time, like, going over each character's individual changes. <sighs> like, they were some, like, wild, crazy shit, and they weren't just fucking rostifying this shit by 10% or something. <laughs> like, literally, it was, it was like a long string of Lindsay Nagels, like, trying to, you know, edgy-cute the shit out of Sonic and explain to, like, you know, why they have taken this shit to the next level or whatever. It was horrifying. So, they go through this whole spiel. They spend a really long time talking about the toy licensing. Uh, they spend an excruciatingly long time talking about the TV series, which honestly looks a lot like someone at Sega saw an episode of Adventure Time and said, well, why don't we just do that with Sonic? Without mm. ever actually taking the time to understand what it is that makes Adventure Time like whimsical or funny or crazy or cute or whatever. They just said, no, nah, it's like crazy. So we'll just we'll have Sonic do crazy stuff. Eggman's going to sue him in court now. That's funny, right? Yeah. So, Nailed and then they, then they showed the game trailer, and that was about all they really said about the game was just, here's the trailer, and it's got, you can play as, you can play as four characters. That's, that, this game. And the sad part is the game doesn't even look horrible. Like, the, what they showed didn't look awful or unbearable by any stretch. It just looked like, okay, cool, you made a different Sonic game again. It's, it's built in UE3. Or no, uh, no, no CryEngine. Cry Cry yeah, CryEngine 3, like, which wh was surprising. What? what? Yeah, I know. I, I Okay, that's what you're doing with CryEngine. You're making a Sonic game. Cool. But yeah, it, like, like 80%, I would say, was spent talking about things other than that game they are making. And then the like what they showed of the game was basically just that trailer. So really well, well-designed, coherent event that, you know, clearly was, was targeted at Game Press and not just something that was written for, like, an investor meeting. Oh, that's really good. I'm so glad yeah. you went to that. So Sonic Boom, that's coming, I guess. It's what an, what Sonic, an, what an epic waste of What an epic waste of your time. That was mm -hmm. wonderful. Ah, you know, whatever. It was a couple hours of my day. It's not the end of the world, and I got a funny story out of it. So that happened. We... So. We run a stupid website. We really do. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that that was my day yesterday. Uh, that that uh, let's let's not talk about Sonic anymore. Let's talk about literally okay. anything else. How about that? Okay. Um, the Dice Awards <clears throat> happened yes last night. Yeah, The Last of Us won some stuff, I guess. A lot. Uh, the Dice Awards tend to be uh, 
AAA kind of patting themselves on the back. So and uh, some people pointed out uh, that you know, what does it say when those kinds of awards are giving? Uh, Forza I think was like best something something. Best and racing game. Plants for Zombie Two is best mobile game. Like, I mean, it, yeah, like I said, I, those awards have tended in the past to be uh, AAA kind of patting themselves on the back. So mm-hmm. uh, I. You know, I wouldn't read too much into that stuff. No. Uh, and it, who cares about the Dice Awards? Yeah. I like no. Dice, though. Rise of um, asked, what is the actual boom part of Sonic Boom? The boom is how extreme and edgy and cool he is again now. Despite Skrillex. That he, is, he is exactly this. It's Skrillex. Skrillex. This is the heavy boom. Uh, what if that was it? That would be great. God, when Skrillex started playing in that trailer, like, everyone around me, we all just looked at each other like, holy shit, it's like mom and dad got a hold of some kid's iPod. Holy fuck. (laughs) Uh, E-Valkyrie to become an Oculus Rift launch title. Yeah, so Uh, talk a little bit more about that. Talk about what E-Valkyrie is. What's what's going on? E-Valkyrie started out uh, as EVR. Uh, It was an internal experiment by CCP, who makes EVE Online, uh, that was debuted last year at EVE Online's FanFest, which Drew and I were in attendance for and got to play around with EVR. The basic premise of it at the time, and my guess is uh, this would hold true now, is that uh, you start out uh, in uh, this kind of capital ship. You get shot out as a tiny little pilot, and you're using an Xbox controller, uh, or some sort of gamepad to control the ship, uh, but to lock on uh, to your targets, uh, you're tilting your head around, uh, and it works extremely well. Uh, it is feels very natural. Uh, it feels like you're playing like a more in control uh, version of like a, a Res or a Panzer Dragoon, um, and you're floating around this incredibly detailed, super fun 3D space, and it's amazing to be like, okay, I need to be heading off like to the upper right, so I'm gonna speed off in that direction, but I'm gonna turn my head around, target the guy who just zoomed past me, hit him with missiles, but still be going forward. Because often when you play games, you can't do that, right? You're having to do uh, if pointing in the direction of the enemy that you're going after. And in EVR, you could do both, and it felt very natural, a little dizzying, but that was mostly due to the tech being very early. <clears throat> it's the the old Oculus Rift, the one that I have and most people have, not one of the uh, the new... Uh, updated version with less latency and uh, pure uh, or, or proper high def- high definition, uh, and so they're turning that into a proper game, whatever that means. Uh, and it's the first confirmed launch title uh, for the Oculus Rift, and also uh, Oculus is going to be co-publishing it. So I would imagine if they're announcing deals like this, we must be on the path to learning more about when the Oculus is actually coming out. Uh, it seems odd that you'd be confirming publishing deals and using the phrase launch title uh, unless uh, we are going to hear more about what they're actually going to do. Uh, Although I suspect uh, we may not. I wouldn't be surprised if we heard more at GDC to get developers more prepared. Um, But E3 or whereabouts seems like, you know, the kind of time where they would want to make a big splash. You know, E3 is when, like, you know, CNN and all sorts of other places are showing up to highlight what's going on in video games. Uh, so that seems like the time for them to actually unveil that stuff, especially if it's going to happen this year, um, which yeah. not super confident about. Like, sometimes you'll see stories, and it's it's hard to tell if that's just the authors uh, extrapolating or assuming, but it's always kind of been phrased as, like, late 2014, early 2015. You would think they want to hit the Christmas rush uh, and, and be a part of that, but, you know, it's it's really hard to tell. They, they seem to be playing the long game, and they're okay with playing the long game, and you know that that seems to be working with them so far. I guess. Yeah, I, 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 I 
have strong doubts about them actually making that device out this year. Like, I feel like that's going to be like an early 2015 thing at the earliest at this point, but I can see why they would maybe try to go for that. But I also don't know how hot a Christmas item that would be. That feels like one of those things. I mean, I don't know how to describe it other than just make this reference, but sort of like Guitar Hero where it's like, it, you know, you launch it and then some people really like it and then a lot of people really like it and it just kind of grows. That doesn't feel like it's going to be like a real hot ticket. Everyone has to buy it right away kind of item. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, that that's when I when I uh, wrote a, a predictions article a couple of weeks back, um, one of the things that I mentioned was that, you know, I think VR takes steps this year, but doesn't really kind of come into its own right. later. And I'm, you know, Oculus has uh, changed the conversation about VR. And I think whether VR takes off or not, it's about to get its one legitimate shot at being a part of uh, interactive technology and, and changing how we interface with a whole lot of things whether it comes to fruition you know too early to say but oculus has changed the conversation enough that it's going to get its time in the sun the same way you know like 3d did in the last couple of years and then we'll see whether it sticks but i am not super confident that oculus on their own can make this work and there's nothing about oculus has done so far to prove that they're going to be able to market a consumer product and i don't think people own Enough people own powerful PCs to justify this device existing. Um, yeah, I think the the you know the they're talking about making it work on mobile. So you know if it could work on an iPhone and an Android device, I think they start to get closer to you know larger parts of an audience getting interested sure. in owning a device like that. Sure. I think the real clutch point is like so, someone like Sony needs to come out with either whether they're going to partner with Oculus or they're going to come out with their own device. Cause I don't think it matters too much. I believe that VR, you know, this is, you know, I'm just sort of armchair projecting. Like, I don't know for sure, but it's informed by having discussions with folks who would know, no matter what Sony does, no matter what anyone else does with a piece of VR technology, the sort of base level of how you develop a game for it means that if you make it for one VR technology, you're going to be able to reasonably port it to another. Right. And a company like Sony that is in consumer products, like, and then people own a console and you buy accessories for consoles and you don't have to worry about performance because the developers are going to handle that for you. I really don't see VR really taking off in a meaningful way until it's partnered with a console in some way. I think if it was just linked to a PC uh, and running on high-end PCs in order so that you can have, you know, with VR, like, you have to have dual displays. Like, you have to have the game running twice, which most machines are just not going to be capable of doing unless you have a BV gaming PC and that just seems like a tall order to ask of people, which is why I think they're obviously doing the mobile route because that is essentially that can be their console. Like if people can just connect that to their iPhone, uh, then that's that's a way they can experience it. But I don't know. I think there's a lot of barriers, and I, and I think getting a company like Sony in there uh, or whoever would go a long way towards legitimizing that to a larger audience. Surely, surely. I have absolutely nothing to add to that. You are, you are spot on, I think. Um <clears throat> Amazon bought Double Helix. That was the one I was just about to read off. Yeah, that is fucking crazy. I mean, we've heard, uh, you know, rumblings over recent months that, you know, Amazon wanted to get into games in a big way. Uh, this is, well, so I guess... So there's a... There, there is a... Someone gave me a heads up, let's say, uh -huh. uh, that there is an Amazon Game Studios already. Okay. So if you go to games.amazon.com, uh, they've actually been publishing little mobile games for a while. Uh, hmm. So this is not... Something, it's actually, it uh, looks like, I'm trying to see, it looks like this, maybe this has been around since 2012. Uh, so it's, Amazon Game Studios is not a brand new thing. I thought, I didn't realize that 
it was already established and they were publishing games. So, uh, so anyway, yeah, keep, keep going. I, I interrupted. Well, no, I was just going to say, you know, we'd been hearing for a while that they wanted to get into games in a, in a much more substantial way for a while. And, you know, I didn't know anything about that studio, but this is the first time, you know, now we have like straight up Amazon has bought a goddamn game studio and it is the makers of uh, killer instinct, which is interesting because I, I, you know, when I think of studios that would be like a hot property to go after, I, Double Helix is not the first one that pops to mind. I mean, Killer Instinct was a lot better, I think, than anyone actually expected it to be. Uh, and Strider you know, looks good. Strider looks good. You know, I, I played it. It's, it is it is some Strider-ass Strider. Um, but, you know, not really knowing what Amazon's endgame at this point is, like, do they want to, you know, just publish games like do they want to develop their own games and just be a publisher like is there some sort of hardware thing that they're looking at down the road probably not but you know it's it, not really knowing what their end game is there's it's hard to know what to make of that specific move because double helix is a studio that's had some successes and some non-successes and they are you know they, they've obviously recently done some good stuff but i don't really know what the, what kind of direction this would actually fit into i would disagree that they're not after a hardware end game uh, okay. I, I, I do think that the, part of the rumors that I have heard uh, and that have been around uh, before is that they are forking Android uh, to develop their own uh, actual, you know, Android-based uh, console uh, to put mm. out. Um, you know, how much they get behind that and, you know, does that become sort of like a Kindle Fire-esque thing? Um, you know, it's really hard to say. We just don't know enough about what they're doing. And I guess it's possible they won't chip the console they've been working on, but they are absolutely working on an okay. Android fork uh, that uh, Interesting. is is meant to uh, compete in some way, uh, but yeah, I think it's it's it is hard to tell. But I think when you buy Double Helix, that is, I think that makes their intentions a lot clearer. I, I okay. do think that makes them very serious about what they intend to do. And when Amazon enters a market, they don't you know tend to pussyfoot around. Like they tend to be very aggressive, and they're in. They have an ability to be very aggressive, but like they can't compete in the traditional ways on game consoles, right? Like game consoles are about software, right? They're not like if they enter the market with a fifty dollar Android console, like that doesn't mean anything. Like they, right. that, they, they have to have games to go alongside with that. So I'm curious if what this double helix purchase uh, entails or indicates is maybe a bunch of acquisitions going forward to start building up that lineup um because they can put out whatever console they want but unless there are games on it then it's just destined to be another android console that you know nobody cares about or uses to uh run emulated games on um and so they need to actually have the software to justify that and i that's a much harder proposition and is different than what uh Amazon has done in the past when it comes in to like disrupt a market um, and that that's the part that you know I'm not quite sure what their path is on that yeah I, it's well, the extra weird thing is that if they are in some way looking toward you know an, an eye toward actually being some kind of hardware manufacturer or console producer you know serious game publisher they're still in a situation where they're selling everyone else's games so I don't really know I guess the end game I'm having a hard time figuring out is like what Amazon wants to be when all is said and done. Like, they, do they want to be the place that makes their own games, sells their own games, and also sells everybody else's game stuff? Or is this like some sort of like larger weird move toward like trying to kind of, you know, 
crush the competition so they don't have to worry about selling everyone else's stuff down the road. I mean, I don't think it's going to get to that point, but it's, it's, I, you know, when I look at the direct, like the direction things are headed in, I just, I, I don't completely understand the point of what they're trying to do, but I guess, you know, it being this early, I wouldn't necessarily. Uh, Ritz Krieg rap points out, what if they're planning a streaming game service? So they don't need to worry about selling a console. Seems pretty them. Uh, that's that's, that's certain. That's certainly viable. They Amazon has an extremely profitable uh, and uh, prolific cloud service. Uh, AWS, I think, mm-hmm. is the the short name for that. Uh, so the idea that Amazon would then run some sort of streaming service that you know allowed them to to easily bring on a lot of games or not even have to to port them in a substantial way. You know, they could be streaming the PC versions of those games. Um, that's that's certainly a possibility. That you know may, maybe their end game is running an Android console that just plugs into an Amazon streaming service that plugs into your Amazon Prime account, and that sort of sounds that sounds pretty diabolical when I mm-hmm. start connecting the dots. There. Mm-hmm. A little bit, a little bit diabolical. You know, because they're about to just increase the price of Amazon Prime, um, and you you would think that as Amazon Prime matures, they're going to add more features to it. But yeah, I mean. An Amazon Prime gaming service that, because I use the Amazon Video pretty often. It's how I keep justifying Amazon Prime. Hmm. I do it for the shipping mostly. Well, I do it for that too. Hmm. Wow. That made that. Hmm. Yeah, that made me just rethink that whole thing. Yeah. Right. Hmm. 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 Anyway. Let's just mm, for the re- for the next like fifteen minutes or so. Mm. I don't have anything else to say. I'm, 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 yeah. I was hoping my hmms would lead to some sort of revelation, but I no. it's mostly just making me go hmm. Mm. Uh, well, well, I'm I'm curious to see what they're doing. Uh, it's always exciting to see other companies come in and, uh, if not necessarily disrupt, make everyone deeply uncomfortable sure. uh, about uh, existing business models, uh, existing ways of doing things, and you know the increasing ubiquity of hardware. Uh, means that more companies can come in and kind of do their own thing. So, I, more power to them. Let's see. Let's see how it works. Uh, I'm, I'm happy to see another one enter the market. Uh, hopefully, they just don't end up in the other the dustbin of Android consoles uh, that has come before them. But they are certainly more prepared than Ouya uh, to try and give it a shot. Yeah. Uh. This probably is a good time for us to start asking for some questions, I would think. Yeah, if folks want to bring in some questions, we'll try and answer uh, one or two before we uh, end this out. Uh, Double Fine doing another Amnesia Fortnite uh, that includes Adventure Time creator Pendleton Ward pitching a bunch of games. Uh, go watch his videos. They're pretty uh, great. The, the pitches are hilarious. Um, he's actually Did- put way more thought into them than you might uh, than you might think. They are not just sort of like, ah, and here's a funny joke. Like, He's thought out mechanics and control schemes, and it's pretty cute. For a dude who loves video games as much as he does, I'm a little bit bummed about how mediocre the Adventure Time games have been thus far, though I imagine he also doesn't have a whole lot to do with that. Which is yeah, I, b- I bet not. I bet. Did not. you see the pitch for the straight-up uh, Cabin in the Woods slasher movie that the guy no. wants to make? So no. one of the dudes who's, I think, internal at Double Fine wants to make a straight-up Friday the 13th style teenagers in the woods being hunted by a serial killer game. Oh my god, I have to what? 
Yeah, I forget what I think it, I forget what it was called. Maybe someone in the chat can 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 bring it up. But that looked real. I mean, it's you know a real simple pitch, but it is an effective one. So I, Look, I would think that would be doing it. a Google search for double fine serial killer didn't bring up anything. <laughs> oh, I'm sure I'm sure someone will uh, mention it in the chat. Yeah. Um, Oh, and you saw that your nemesis has now uh, has now moved on from from Double Fine. He's now yeah. Chris Remo has uh, left Double Fine to join his friends uh, Jake Rockin and Sean Vanaman at Campo Santo. I believe mm-hmm. that's how you pronounce the name. Um, sounds like in a position more than just uh, composer. Uh, he was he did the music for Gone Home. Terrific soundtrack. I love the music in that game. Um, and yeah, he's going to work with them. He also he co-wrote the Cave and mm-hmm. worked on brr, Space Base. DF9. I think he did the, the music name. for uh, for uh, uh, Thirty Flights of Loving too. I think. Yes, terrific soundtrack for that yep. as well. He is very talented. Uh, F Chris Remo on his Spelunky play, but mm-hmm. hail hail Chris Remo on moving on and uh, doing something cool with those guys. Looking forward to uh, seeing Ali Moss's video game. I want to see Ali Moss art in a video game, and I'm looking forward to that. What could go wrong is the name of that pitch, by the way. Greg, that's such a good name. <laughs> yeah, it's called What Could Go Wrong, and it's just like a there's there's a YouTube video someone just linked to in the chat if you want to okay. look at it after we're done here. It, it, looks pretty, will... it sounds like a great idea. I'm going to do that. Uh, let's see. Uh, Call of Duty now takes three years to make. Three studios keeping an annual. The next game comes mm-hmm. from Sledgehammer. I'd heard about I had heard about that about six months ago. I think that's a good change. Hopefully that results in that series getting better. Um, Here's hoping. I've heard some things, but yeah. I will I will keep my mouth shut. Um, Christolis, are either of you planning to check out Bravely Default? Uh, I would like to. It sounds like Brad is actually going to give it a decent shot and do a quick mm-hmm. look on the site. Um, also, I'll say it out loud and hopefully guilt him into it if he somehow forgets. Uh, but yeah, uh, curious, curious. I've heard good things about it. Uh, I've meant to download the 3DS demo because it is a side story. Uh, but I've also heard the demo is terrible and not mm. very indicative of uh, the quality of the final game. So I don't know. But, yeah, I'm curious. Uh, I have not played uh, a JRPG in a while. Um, but if I got to pick one this year, I, I want to get around to playing uh, Persona 4 The Golden, which I'm hoping to do this summer. So we'll see. I would like to, but my guess is, Alex, that you have no interest. Yeah, not personally. It's not really my kind of thing. But, uh, you know, I've heard from people who are, you know, uh, well-versed in these types of games that it is very, very good. So, you know, take that for whatever it's worth. Yeah. People asking. Dorky Moore, not game-related, but maybe you'll you'll care, Alex. Like, are the Olympics on your radar? No. Yeah, me either. Other than the Sochi <laughs> stories from journalists and, you know, the, the, the constant uh, just hyperbolic uh, fear of what the hell could go wrong during those, those 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 games, I am not actually watching the Olympics ass Olympics. Like, first, I watched exactly 60 seconds of ice dancing last night, and that is probably all of the Olympics I will watch. So, yeah. that's me. I'm going to an Olympics watching party tomorrow that I'm just... No, tonight. Today's yeah, tonight, today, Why? Friday. I don't know, but uh, okay. it's all my friends are going, and we're just gonna drink, and it's my birthday. So it was more. I this was someone already reserved this night, like to do a thing, and I wasn't mm-hmm. gonna be the guy that's like, I'm gonna play the trump card that it's my birthday, and no one's gonna go to your thing. Like, haha, fuck your Olympics. That's Damn not my birth. 
that's not nice. So no. I'm having people over on uh, Saturday. Oh, here's a question hmm. from me to you, and then the hmm. chat can help as well. Uh, so the the general plan for my birthday was like, uh, I'm not really into the whole like. I'll probably have a hangover on Sunday. Like, let's be clear. But I'm not really into the whole like this good crazy drunk just to just to drink. Like, you know, right. so, sort of over that part. But wanted to have a bunch of people over, and uh, you know, I've got this brand new, well, I guess relatively new TV, and I want to play a bunch of like local multiplayer games on it, and I'm going to. Uh, buy a bunch of stuff from the cards office and then do tournaments and give out card stuff to the victors. Okay. Um, so now I just need to figure out what games to play. Um, you know, obviously like most people that are coming over are, uh, ha- you know, halfway competent or versed in games, but I'm going to have a lot of people that aren't. And so, you know, something like samurai gun might be a little too mechanically complex. Um, Nidhog might work. But I'm mostly trying – I have a pretty decent library of games, and I have a couple of friends that are coming that have a good library of games. Um, so I'm trying to figure out what games make the most sense. Like Mario Kart's a pretty standard one that a sure. lot of people play and understand. Um, Bomberman I feel like is a good one as well that's, like, easy to understand. Um, but I'm trying to – can you think of any others that would make, that would make well, I know sense? It's, I know it's not out yet, but I think it is out soon. Uh, I did get some time uh, this week uh, after a board game night with some friends uh, to play some sports friends, which uh, is a real good, you know, you don't have to do know a whole lot about what you're doing to get into it kind of game. That's true. I have an early build of that on my computer. So oh, there you go. In, I should plug in sports friends. That's so, a good one. That That's is a good, a good one. one. I think uh, other like simple competitive stuff. Oh, someone said you don't know Jack. That's yeah, a great idea. Yeah. Is there that, a PC version of that? Pretty sure there is. Um, double check that, but I'm pretty sure there is one. One of my um, favorite uh, Ryan Davis memories is yeah. that for a TNT uh, sometime last year, we played You Don't Know Jack. It was the... If people remember, it's the one where we had the might have been the first time I brought out the uh, the electric zapper thing. Yeah, I think uh, Karen uh, was there, Dave's sister, and uh, for some reason, like it, Ryan had to rebuy it, and he somehow rebought it on my account, but was pretty sure he bought it on his account, and then I didn't notice until like a week later that like seventy five dollars worth of purchases made on my card. <laughs> it's just Ryan buying like you don't know Jack, and then like every single DLC. Uh, oh, and then, and then me having to expense it because uh, oh. Ryan had purchased all of that stuff on my card. Oh it was, God, it was really funny. That's really funny. Classic, classic. Yeah. Uh, uh, I'm trying to think of something else, but I think you know Jack is a really good one. I think you don't know Jack. One. That's a good one. I'm trying to check Steam right now. You... Yeah, there's, there's. Yeah, something you don't know Jack. Perfect. Perfect. There's definitely something I'm just not thinking of, and I don't know what it is. Oh man, there's a lot of versions of you don't know Jack on here, like old ones. Yeah, you want to go as recent as possible. But, I think this know. is the new one. Yeah, that's a good idea. I didn't even think about that. Oh, that's a great idea. That's gonna be a lot of fun. Cool. Um, yeah, that's what I got right now. I'm I'm sure yeah. there are like a million things I'm just not thinking of at the moment, but that's that that's what I was able to throw off the top of my head. Uh, yeah, folks, folks have other that. ideas. Make uh, shoot me a shoot me a PM. I'm trying to. There I gotta get the dive games. kick. Yeah, dive kick. Dive kick could be a good one. It's a good drunk fighting game, I think. So you know. That's true. Um, cool. All right. Well, you got. What are you up to this weekend? Uh, let's see. Today I'm gonna have Jazz Punk review. Finally mm-hmm. done. I'm gonna stare at it. I'm gonna make it work somehow. We'll figure it out. 
Um, and this weekend, I don't really have any significant plans. Uh, just going to kind of, you know, catch up on a couple of games that I haven't finished. I'm going to play. I think I'm going to try and finally blow through the last of the Ali Ali levels that I haven't gotten through. Uh, and during jury duty this week, I got to like, that was pretty much what I spent most of the time in the waiting room doing. So I'm going to try mm. and finish that off. Uh, I'm still going to do that Super Mario Brothers 2 and Bombastica here in the next few days. I, I Jury duty kind of screwed up my schedule this week, but I will get it done. Uh, and then Monday, actually, uh, other than our show on in the morning, which we'll talk about in a second, uh, I will be on Aubrey Sitterson's Cheap Heat podcast Monday night following Monday Night Raw, where we will talk some wrestling. Uh, so if you are into that at all, I will be there to talk about that. So Sweet. That's, that's what I got coming up. What do you got? Um, I have to get the rest of my apartment together. Like the <laughs> half the reason of having people over for a birthday is like to give Katie and I the last like, oh well, put up all the stuff that you wanted to put up in your place because now people are coming over and they're going to judge you. So sure. Um, so I got to get the rest of the stuff together this weekend. So that'll be most of it. Um, probably be hungover on Sunday. So hopefully on Sunday I'll finish. I think like playing jazz punk hungover on the couch with a space heater. Uh, sounds pretty good. Uh, I need to play that, and I need to play uh, Republic. So those are – if I play anything this weekend, that will probably be those two. And I'm half considering – there's not really any strategy games for me to play right now. I just finished Banner Saga, and people were mm-hmm. like, hey, you should be an idiot and just dive off the deep end and play one of those really complicated, like, Crusader games. That sounds like a really dumb idea, so I might try and do that. I feel like that's one of those things you're either going to spend five minutes with and just go, nope, done, uh, or it's going to completely destroy you. Yeah, so I guess maybe I'll try and find out. So that'll be my weekend. Uh, On Monday, uh, we will be joined by none other than Jim Sterling, uh, who was uh, in the news quite a bit this week for... He doesn't like that new uh, Dungeon Keeper game very much, uh, which we didn't talk about that. But that game, whoo, that game has some issues. Uh, yes, it let's does. Say. Uh, the way also it handles rating. <laughs> huh? It's also a voice actor in jazz punk. All right. Is it obvious? Uh, I don't know. I mean, all the voices in that game are so heavily modulated that it's nothing's really that obvious. But he does play a few different characters. So interesting. All right. Well, hey, that's we'll have something to talk about. So, uh, yeah, he'll be joining us on a Monday, uh, and that's when I will talk to you next, Alex. I will talk to you on Monday. See ya.